0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre sales to select campus events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
1: All right, welcome to the Pelicans Podcast Network. Another edition of Between Bites with Nina Compton and Larry Miller. Nina.
0: No, you. you. Yes, sir. I, if we
1: just get our voices out of the way, because you're about to be blown away. We're joined today by the legendary Joel Myers. Joel, welcome.
2: Uh, thank you for having me, both of you, because I appreciate what you guys do. I mean, and you come and you put up with us. You come to the games, and we appreciate that. We
0: love going to the games. And
1: if yeah. we don't go to the games or if Pelicans are out of town, we have you in our living room telling us what's happening.
2: Yeah, and, we, and I'm fortunate. I get to work with Antonio Daniels and Jen Hill. And we've been together a long time. And, in fact, it's 11 years for me with Jan Antonio the last four years. And he's just a pick-me-up. He's it's passionate. A,
1: it's, it's amazing the way you guys – it sounds like you grew up together just chatting in, the, in your bedrooms, falling asleep. How did you get into broadcasting?
2: Been on forever. And I was on the air when I was at the University of Missouri. I, in fact, I ran out of radio stations there. <laughs> I did because, you know, you're on the campus station. Then somebody hears you and you get hired away. You go to K Tigers, KTGR. In the old Tiger Hotel.
1: Listen to that. And
2: they're two and a half minute songs, you know, back then. Right. And if you needed the water closet, you were in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then off to KFMZ, and I ran out of stations. So, it was a good start. That was a great start.
1: Now, you grew up in St. Louis. Yes. What is it? Why is that the mecca of uh, sports broadcasting? I mean, you, you, who did you listen to growing up?
2: Well, I was spoiled. Yeah. because we had Harry Carey and Jack Buck yeah. doing the Cardinals. Jerry Gross was our basketball announcer on the Hawks before Skip Carey took over, right before they left, and eventually Skip went with the ball club to Atlanta. I didn't know Atlanta. that's
1: how Skip got to Atlanta. Yes. I grew up with Skip.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skip was the Hawks, and I'd say a couple of years before, maybe 65, 66, because the Hawks were gone uh, by 68, 69 season and moved to Atlanta. So their last season in St. Louis was 67, 68. So I listened the old clock radio, there were monsters that you had in your bedroom. And that's the way I fell asleep at night, listening to basketball. And we also had really good football announcers doing the Cardinals, the Big Red, as we called them in those days. But St. Louis, you also had KMOX. And that was my last station there, which was a blowtorch. It was one of the clear channels, 50,000 watts. And at the end of the day, when everybody, they had to lower after sunset, the smaller stations, and then the big booming stations like KMOX, they went all over the country.
0: So in St. Louis, what is, if I have to go tomorrow, what's the one thing I must eat?
2: Well, it's kind of funny because you know, St. Louis pizza is made with a, a cheese we don't know where it emanates from. <laughs> I, I like to say it's like good wine, it's a blend. Right, you know? okay. <laughs> But profiled cheese and it's paper thin, very crispy. If you know New Haven, Connecticut, mm-hmm. like Sally's and Frank Pepe's, cut in squares in old beat up square pans, and it's exceptional. And you also want to go on the Hill. The Hill District is the Italian district of St. Louis, which okay. is where Yogi Berra, Joe Giola grew up. And those little houses that they grew up in are the same, oh, wow. identical. They weren't bulldozed like a lot of other places. St. Right. Louis is very, very similar to New Orleans. They don't bulldoze; they restore. That's great. Yeah, I
0: love that.
1: Now I can imagine that not just St. Louis, but through your career, now you travel a lot, how do you pick a restaurant when you're traveling? How often is it, I've gotta go back to this restaurant that I've loved for all these years, or let me try this new one?
2: Well, first of all, local knowledge is everything. It's like when I came to New Orleans, I had a list people gave me that you have to try. And you find out by the locals and the other broadcasters, where should I go next time I'm here? So if it's the Western Conference, we're there twice a year, Eastern Conference only once. So, like, we're going to New York coming up right after All-Star and Toronto, which is world-class city, mm-hmm. international, beautiful. Uh, I have my – and Alex McKechnie, who's their head of sports medicine, has already texted me. We've got a table. Uh, and then I already booked a table at El Molino nice. in New York, the original. Oh, how fun. Hey, oh, God. And then Emmett Cohn is playing that night. I collect music, and he's a prodigy, early 30s, piano, jazz uh there's options that night though it's really tough there's like two or three great besides Emmett playing in New York that night second sets so dinner at 8 eight thirty, 10 30 you're at a jazz club it's pretty that that's strong like a lovely evening. Yeah. It's, yeah and, and we're, I, we're lucky you like that on Frenchman Street right yeah
0: you have everything planned out I love that yeah. so where are some of your favorites when you're not a, when you're not traveling for work where do you like to go? Like, what are your favorite food cities besides New Orleans?
2: Well, San Francisco. I love San Francisco. Live there. And that was a long time ago. Our first son was born there. So only great thoughts, great memories. And San Francisco has evolved as well as a very good food city. And I, there's a Greek restaurant. I think it's Kikiro. Okay. And I got turned on to that, and it's amazing. Great Mediterranean. I like, I've like. i gone to an Chai here. Yeah. I've now sought out and searched for Mediterranean. It I, so I never good. thought <laughs> that I'd go there. I used to be chop houses right. or pasta <laughs> right. houses, and now I'm looking for Mediterranean. Yeah. We all evolve and grow, don't we? <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Give me a two-pound house. No, not anymore. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were eating off of it for three days.
2: So through your career,
1: you've done color commentary and play-by-play. You can only do one for the rest of your life. Which one are you picking?
2: Well, basketball is my love. And I love what I do here. I love the game. And I, I owe it. It's kind of funny because I'm having dinner with him and his wife tonight. And that's Bob Pettit, Hall of Famer, yep. top 50, top 75, having dinner with Bob and Alma tonight. And I fell in love with the game. My brother, eight years older than myself, would take me to all the Hawks games at Keel Auditorium. And I was amazed watching them play. And Bob retired when I was really young. He retired after 11 seasons in 1965. But because of Bob and the guys he played with, like Lenny Wilkins, and I can get on the list, Paul Silas, Bill Bridges, guys like that, uh, I just fell in love with it. It was, And I played as a kid. I was never any good, but I loved the game. Right. So I owe a great deal to Bob just for the amazement of, you know when you're a kid, that's what I love at ARP Arena. It's a lot of kids in the building, and our director shoots them when we're taking breaks. He's not shooting adults screaming, (laughs) it's the kids trying to get on the big screen. And it's sweet. And that's why we didn't have a big screen, but I went to the game and I was amazed by these gifted, gifted guys.
1: Well, it's fun, too, that our team now acts like a bunch of excited kids when everything's going well.
2: Right. They care about each other. And
1: and the post game interviews that they're, you know, they'll try and be. Well, I just played the game and, you know, we went out to play defense and all of a sudden Jose's jumping up, throwing a towel on top of you, And the water. Water. Yeah, and the water. But
2: that's the the key is the chemistry we have developed now. And I tell people all the time, this is not about this season. That's why David Griffin has done such a good job. He's brought uh, a different culture, a different environment completely. So David's got Trajan, Swin, And Bryson, and I should mention their last name, but everybody knows Trajan Langdon, Swin Cash, Bryson Graham. And so David's put together and assembled a really good front office. And in any, I don't care what your business is, you guys are real successes. You need a flow chart, you need people that are responsible and ready. And they're really on top of it. So we have a a good thing going. With with, with everybody.
1: uh, It's amazing, too, how many, how fortunately, uh, some of these products of Duke University turned out because you just couldn't stand these guys when they were Duke. <laughs> Glad you said it. <laughs> Man, but now they're here. I love right. them. Amazing right. job. Great job. Y- you know, or when uh, they quit playing, I'm happy when they quit playing and <laughs> move into the front office. Yeah.
2: Well, we had Trajan, right? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I just had a picture with Taken, and Allah asked, he said, Come hey, get in this picture with us. And it was Trajan and Allah Abdonabi who does the color for uh, the Philadelphia 76ers oh, for that. a number of years. So okay. I tweeted it out, and but I had spent time with Mike Krzyzewski for USA Basketball way back when. And we sat in a conference room in Vegas doing interviews with each individual player for down the road we had to do. So we had to wait 15, 20 minutes between each guy coming down from his, his room. And then I realized now I know why Duke does so well because this is a quality guy. Yeah. This is a really good person. Besides X's and O's, you can understand why when he meets with families and meets with the players. He's a good person. Yeah. Right. So after being around Coach K, and a couple of times we did this for USA Basketball, I understood it completely.
1: That's neat. Now, I'm guessing that your career progression did not go from radio directly to the NBA. So there may have been some starting job. We start off washing dishes or working in prep, or we become a busboy and a server. Or
0: frying wings like you. Or (laughs) frying wings. I love it.
1: What, what were some of those early jobs that you just roll your eyes at now that, thank God, I had them there and they've gotten me to here?
2: Well, I, first of all, I, I worked at Target. I worked at McDonald's. Uh, I worked at a delicatessen, chopping onions in the back. And I wasn't crying, but it was pouring out. And uh, I had a lot of jobs. My parents wanted me to work. And there was a certain discipline that went along with it in taking on all kinds of jobs. Every summer. I worked at, when they, first summer they ever opened outside of St. Louis, Six Flags Over Mid-America. And I worked the brakes on the log flume. That's awesome. It was big time. I that's felt, a stressful job, isn't it? <laughs> it <was great. laughs> All these people come in there drenched say, by the a, time they got to me. a lot me. of responsibility. Yeah, they, yes, they, they were just drenched. But it was St. Louis summer, so I don't think they minded. Right. Uh, but I had a lot of lot of jobs, at, was, like you guys.
0: What was the, your favorite, and what was your least favorite job you've
2: ever had well it's the people you work with i think even in the the most mundane roles that you might be in when you're a 16 year old and you're driving and so i always really got along with the people i worked with and we'd party afterwards and whether it was mcdonald's or six flags (laughs) we all got together afterwards and so i really enjoyed the company of the people that i worked with and that was the key to it it's kind of like that has never changed and i'm fortunate because that's the way it is right now. A.D. and I have a great time together. And I, he's, you see, a lot of people don't realize I called his games with the Spurs. I was doing the Spurs 25 years ago. And so I knew (laughs) A.D. for a long time. And he's just a good person. So, and always got along and always knew. And he and Tim Duncan were best friends. They're still very, very close. So if you couldn't find A.D., you knew where he was. He was with Tim. Right. Yeah. So it was always about the people you work with. That's the fun, And you remember them more than the job you did. That's right. The relationships you had with those That's people. That's
1: right. Who do you never want to work with again? I'm just kidding, Joe. We're not going to go
2: there. <laughs> Let's go there. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm, no, I'm all for no. it.
1: What were your parents' reaction as you started off? And, again, this kind of goes back to that us working in restaurants um, before you were able to to know how to run them and own them. What were your parents' reaction to you saying – I'm going out west to yeah. to do this.
2: Well, they didn't believe it at first. And uh, my dad, World War Two guy, remember, World War Two guys, they were just tough workers. Mm-hmm. They put in time, they put in the hours, and he had his own business, and he built it up. So I was always at his warehouse. I was working every weekend of my life at his warehouse. Uh, he would tell me, when I told him what I wanted to do, which was play-by-play play from the very beginning, he said, you know how competitive that is. You're, come on, get serious. So... I had a brother who was going to dental school, and I was supposed to go to law school. They were deeply, deeply disappointed, to say the least. (laughs) And then when I told them, you know, I I was moving out west, and I got a three-year contract to move out west, my dad still didn't believe me. (laughs) And I told him it was Gene Autry's Golden West Company. And he said, really? We were at dinner one night on the hill (laughs) in St. Louis (laughs) with my wife-to-be. And actually, we were married by then, because we left right after we got married. And moved to San Francisco. But uh, there was disbelief. Like, you know what you're in for? And uh, you know what I always talk, when I, ever I talk to youngsters, you're allowed to dream. You're allowed to have goals. So go for it. Yeah. Why not?
1: It, that is true. And you want to dream. But think about do you ever think about look where I am now with this career, this many years in the NBA, and how many people, everybody talks about the guy who was a great high school basketball player went to college maybe he wasn't so great he realized how many more great players got compressed at each level going up and there's you up there for this many years in the booth do you or at the at the scores table do you ever think about that sometimes and and think back wow that either I crushed it is there a secret to the success there
2: you never think about crushing anything you you really don't And because it can be taken away that quickly. So I don't think about it as much as I think about how fortunate I am because there's only 30 teams, right? there's only 30 guys. I actually think about the people that helped me along the way that actually gave me great advice or were brutally blunt and honest. And I remember that and I keep up with those people. The guy that hired me in San Francisco and unfortunately he just, we just lost him in the last six months. Um, and he was, he was young, 70s. And he hired me in San Francisco, he changed my life. So, because he took a box out from under his desk when he brought me in, we were in the Fairmont Hotel, our studios okay. it was awful on Knob Hill. And he, <laughs> yeah. he pulled out a box with like two, 300 cassettes. In those days it was cassettes. And he goes, here, that's how many people wanted your gig. And I gave it oh, to you wow. to put pressure on me. Let wow. me, cause I was a sports director at KSFO. And I kept up with him and any trip to Portland he was the first guy I would reach out to. Can we get together? Right. So you always remember, and especially with the people that were really good to you with advice, like Greg Popovich, anybody that you worked with, like Pop was brutally blunt, it was good. I was, you know, I was a kid who thought, y- you don't think. Right. You know, you're gung-ho, <laughs> and, and you need those to kind of set you straight.
1: Did, were you able to laugh when he was extremely blunt?
2: Yeah. Later be, on. How yeah. long did it
1: take before you could laugh? At, well,
2: at, I saw him at first hand remind people, you know, are we on point here? Because he's an Air Force grad. Right. Uh, Russian history. Like when when Pop recruited Rasha Nesterovic to join the Spurs, he was at his door over in the Eastern European country and he spoke his language. Wow. Right. So that's pretty uh, impressive, impressive yeah. and intense. And when he would say something, I'd uh, and I'd always. And then when I left, I'd always knock on his door. He'd have his little tensor lamp on, and he'd be going over his plays, wrap an hour before tip, hour and a half. But I always knock at the door to say, "How are you? How's Aaron? How are the kids?" You just don't forget those people. Yeah. They are really, really. They're an influence on you.
0: Did you ever have a moment where you thought you were not gonna make it? Did you have like a moment of doubt? I think we all have those moments, but was there? Something that really stuck out.
2: Disappointment, but not doubt. Mm-hmm. I think there's a difference. And actually, it serves as motivation that there's a challenge. Yes. And you guys, because you're in an ultra-competitive environment mm-hmm. where, I mean, come on, how many good restaurants do we have in New Orleans? Ton. And, and you guys have two exceptional restaurants. Thank you. So it, it motivates you, it challenges you, and then you say to yourself, I'm just as good as that SOB. <laughs> right. So... I'm not gonna stop. It's one person's opinion. We're all in a very subjective, you know, workplace. Sure. See, everybody's got an opinion like, I won't say what. <laughs> <Yeah>. But, <laughs> so, I, uh, this is it, it is challenging. That's what it is. That's, if you wanna stay and compete, challenge yourself. That's all.
1: What's it like now, Nina, you are too young to remember Chick Hearn, but he's yeah. a legendary Hall of Fame announcer for the Lakers. And a couple years after he retires, you're sitting in his chair. How does that feel? Does, does, is that pressure in your head, or you just shake it off and say, here I am, I got hired for the job, I'm doing it?
2: Well, first of all, he was really good to me, because he was a southern Illinois guy. Oh, I didn't know. That. Yeah, he was, he was southern Illinois, and so he was real close to St. Louis, maybe two, two and a half hours out of St. Louis, and he was a tall guy. So when I was doing the Spurs, we, he'd always put his arm around and we'd take a walk, because he was about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, I'd say and we'd walk and we'd talk and he asked me how's it going kid you know he wanted to know so he could have been kinder but i was doing the spurs at the time and i was in heaven i was with greg popovich and rc buford so i was really content i would have been the spurs guy forever and the lakers because i was under contract called the spurs otherwise it would have been tampering huh. right and my one son was going into his first year of college and my other son was going into his first year of high school, ninth grade. So that was the tug. It was more personal than professional because I was really, really content and happy. I was working with Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford, and I had I just won a title in 03. And so you're leaving a team. And I was I went I jumped on the bus for everything, for practice, for shoot rounds. You know, I was proverbial pig in you know what. <laughs> And so I didn't want to go, but I wanted to be with my family, and they were in L.A. So it was a tough commute. I kept a place, an apartment in San Antonio. And uh, so I didn't think about it really, back to your original premise, I didn't think about nobody replaces somebody that good, an iconic figure, that, I mean, some of it, the terminology that he put into play during the t- broadcasts and then later the simulcast, the telecast, uh They're around today, and they'll be around forever. So he was a pioneer.
1: Speaking of inventing phrases, can you think of any that that come across that somebody else came up with that, say, I don't even know what it is, but somebody invented the phrase crossover. Um, Can you remember certain times where words popped out that are now common usage that we didn't use, or did it take— you know, I guess Kuzi or Havlicek there, they probably got somebody fired up and, and they described their dribbling or passing in a way that we still use today just as common language. You, right. there? Well,
2: I think we've become more economical because we were all really, because of radio before television, and we were all, I, I grew up in radio and I moved over to TV and it was for economic reasons more than anything else because I was happy in radio, uh, but we became more economical. So radio was fun because you could get away with everything and anything. You could. And <laughs> nobody was watching. <laughs> if you wanted to embellish it, you could have a great time with it. And you could make that play that was fairly mundane. You could make it spectacular. <laughs> but you always wanted to beat the crowd. That was the key to a rat-a-tat-tat. So you point A to B to C to D and the finish, and boom, you shut up while the crowd explodes. But you had to be a good I learned... That was the key huh. on radio was cadence, you know, rhythm and cadence. So, no, I mean, I like the way Marv would say yes. I was, that was yeah. the one that popped yeah. in my head. Uh, I've always said, got it. Then that was always something I always used because, I like yeah. And I, But I, I like the way we've all pulled back a little. And if anything, I have to try to maintain that because we get into it and let the picture tell the story more. And we have so much fun, you know, with A.D. and I going back and forth. That let her breathe occasionally. <laughs> right.
1: Neat. Well, speaking of, I mean, like using your voice as not even daggers, like a samurai sword. That's all, folks. The <laughs> sign off from the that uh, Lakers. That was not premeditated. That's amazing. And it, when you said that's all, folks. Right. Now we'll back up a little bit. when it, uh, And
2: I like A.D. A surgeon, the other Anthony Davis. Yeah. Uh, the other A.D but I, I really that was not it was just the ima- like the other night when
1: but the, let's tell him that on his last day yeah, he wore in the new t-shirt Orleans, he wore which t-shirt i thought was, was right. that's all folks you know
2: mrs benson right. gail has been She's unbelievable like to yeah. everybody yeah, and especially to anthony davis and his entire family that's not the way you depart right right that's you know it's like oh this this agent he's my new bestest buddy well wait a minute what about all these people that have been in your corner right. since you got here right. Right. To to I mean, I way. could go into stories where I'm with our head of media and there's a phone call and it's a member of his family asking for something mm. and it's done right away. Right. So remember how good it was and how good they treated you and your family. So... um no, I, it wasn't premeditated. In fact, it was emotional. The, the other game night, game
1: after we win, yeah, the shot goes to AD, and you hear that. Well, it. I didn't.
2: <laughs> I, well, because it was an emotional moment. Sure. And if you, it's if it's not spontaneous, then it's kind of, uh, to me, it's just premeditated, it's fabricated, it's not as yeah, natural, genuine. Yeah. Right. So I didn't even think about it. The other night, Trey hit that against the Lakers. Trey hit the second three, and it was like thirty feet away, and I just stood up. the first time in my 11 years here (laughs) that i have left my seat but it was an emotional moment for us we had to get that win it was a weekend that we had to succeed and we did
1: we We had a great weekend great week we're going to keep it going the challenges of being for 11 years with the team and you're able to say we and us and you're able to be so excited that you stand up for the first time calling right. a game in the off season. You go and just say it's a, a uh, it's another sport even that if you're calling a football game, how do you, is it easier to broadcast that game as a neutral observer?
2: Yes, absolutely. Is it? Cause I don't live with them. Right. See, I live with these guys. I get on the bus <laughs> with these guys. I eat post and pregame meals with these guys. David has made it so that A.D. and I and Jen were at the, the team dinners. That's nice. You were in Beverly Hills, right down the street at an Italian restaurant or Salt Lake City the other night at Valter's, the Italian restaurant. We're with them. And that's the key is that, you know, they know how much we care. Yes. If you care, they're going to feel it. If, if it's authentic, and we have that now, it is really authentic, what we have going in the locker room. These guys really care. That's why I'm glad we didn't make any big deals at the trade deadline. See, we, we lost a really yeah. good person, but it was, you know, Devontae and a great teammate. I told Devontae what a, how I felt. He's an incredible teammate because he hadn't been getting as many minutes, but he was there to support his team, yep. and everybody loves him. Great guy. So we want only the best for him, and he was rewarded. Griff gave him a great contract to come here, uh, but that's why I'm happy that we're waiting to see because, as I said, it's not about this year. We're building the right way. We're not trying to steal somebody else's talent like a major market is doing right, right now. Right. Yeah, we know who we're talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, uh, who,
2: who's been a player
1: that just through your whole career, when, when you were with a single team, that you lost or that was traded Not you didn't lose them, but um, they were traded or cut and you're like, damn, I really miss that guy. Drew. Yeah.
2: I love Drew. My son went state with him in high school. And I've watched Drew and Aaron and Justin grow up to young men, dads, great people, great family. So it's an easy, easy. And I just saw Drew in Milwaukee and a big hug. And then I saw last game with Aaron and and Justin. And Justin got dealt today. And it's a tough business. It really is. You're compensated accordingly, but it's a tough business because your family's involved. It's not just about you. So, but Drew Holiday, that whole family, and and it's funny because at Campbell Hall in North Hollywood, Studio City actually, uh, they'd go to timeout, and Aaron would run onto the floor, who was probably 10 years old at the time, during every timeout to get as many shots up as possible, and then he'd run off the floor right as they were ready to put it back into play, and these were good high school games, but, and you could tell he was going to be a nice player. He was for three years at UCLA and now in the NBA, so... uh, the Holiday family stands out. And Drew especially, and his wife and the kids. Yeah, Drew's he's, just he's incre- to eat, and he is. Yeah. The best.
1: It's just, just, that, that smile will. the best. Warm smile the and
2: yeah. It's, yeah. Great family. You know,
0: he eats, he's like, just feed me. Yeah, you know, he's wonderful And it's a wonderful just guy. A, a great energy. And he hasn't changed.
2: That's, oh, that's the, good. the one yeah, thing. That's the... He hasn't changed at all. He's just a wonder. it's a good family. His yes. mom and dad were tough. His mom was the athletic director at the school. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah, and a teacher. And. Sean and Toya, yeah, I mean, they were disciplinarians. Right. And the boys, you see what happened. And their daughter, who played basketball as well, and was really talented.
1: How often, or how much do you follow the college game?
2: Very Mm -hmm. little. Okay. My nights off, like last night, I think there were 10 or 12 games. I saw some of everyone. So, and I made a a St. Louis pizza. (laughs) I had it shipped in on dry ice. You know, goldbelly.com. Yeah. You guys know the. Yes. Right. And so that has opened up a lot to a lot of restaurants and places. So I get my paper thin pizza. I get six at a time. They're delivered on dry ice, <laughs> That's and I awesome. I am in heaven. Special occasions right. only. Right, and what I'm I love because you know it's only a seven month season, mm-hmm. basically. Oh, you know, I'm, yeah, because we're taken away. We could go deeper, and hopefully knock on wood, we will. Yeah. Right. But we're basically October one to May one, and then the network takes over yeah. if we're lucky enough to get to the second round. So, it's my life now, for seven you, months.
1: You've been picked up on those uh, with TNT, I yes, guess, for yes. playoffs. How how is that going
2: and working with a new partner? It, it's not. It's easy because they're they put as much time in as you do, because they want to succeed. Whether it's I've done so many summer league games with all these guys from Chris Weber when he started. I did Bill Walton. By the way, Bill Walton was. I did his first television with him when we did the clips together back in the early 90s imagine what he was saying back then well you know bill was he nervous he he had a stuttering problem ah he and he left law school at stanford he was he's a bright guy really bright guy Stanford, yeah and so bill uh but he would gather like a big man would gather on the block to make his pivot his drop step bill would gather and then he'd fly he was ready and poised so and it's turned out he's he's sharp he's fun and he's a friend for life, so I'm um, not objective. <laughs> but there are all these guys like Vince Carter I've worked with recently and all these other people that I've done games with, they care. Everybody comes in with the same kind of like M.O. Right. We're all in it together to have a great game, a great telecast like you guys. You want to present a great meal. What was the name of the movie uh, Stanley Tucci was in? Oh, Big th- Night. Big, big Night. How great was yes. that? Yeah. You know, I love
0: I love him. He is. I love it too. And was, what about
2: uh, Tuscany? Yes. It, how great is that yeah, show?
0: It's
1: um, you got to meet him.
2: A I did. I like, I got
0: to meet him uh, this past October. How um, was it? Delightful. Yeah. So smooth. I, it, See, I
2: have a million questions for you guys. Okay. I really do. All right. Well, because I I some. don't eat to live. I live to eat. Yes. So how did you guys really start? At did you were uh, you were in the back of the kitchen and stage stage and next yeah. stage?
0: It's, uh, I started cooking, I mean, the kitchen is the most active place in anybody's home, um, or most people's homes. So when I'd wake up, somebody would be in the kitchen, you know, from any point during the day. And I always loved what food did to me. It made me very happy, it brought people together. So I told my mom one day, I'm like, I think I want to be a professional chef. And she's like, why would you want to do that, it's so stressful. (laughs) And she says, well, if you're going to do that and be serious, you need to work. So I worked at a hotel. Uh, I did all the stations, and I did it for two years, and I fell in love. And it was just always about, again, challenging myself and trying to be the best, surround myself with the best.
2: So so the dream was always to have your own place. After two years at a hotel, where did you go?
0: I went to Jamaica. Then I went to culinary school in New York. I worked at restaurant Danielle in Manhattan and then New York was great but too cold for me so I moved right. to Miami nice and tropical and met Larry and then um, you know I was starting to travel a lot and I said I'm like I don't think Miami's for us I think I want to go somewhere else and we had gotten a lot of opportunities and different restaurants in different states and we got a phone call to do and then I said I said, you're joking, right? He said, no, no. And we went, we came in into the restaurant that you're sitting in right now. There was mud floors, wires were hanging down. And I no said,
2: ceiling, yes. Yeah, three brick walls yeah. and mud. Right. I and told no you guys when I walked in, I said, I've been here for dinner, and it's so beautiful at night, the lighting, the, the setup. So, yeah, I don't know if you did it individually. You designed it yourself?
0: We, we had a team from New yeah. York that did it, but, you know, we wanted to keep it, Neons. What I love about it, they they restore everything. They preserve everything. Right. You know, living in Miami, everything is very new, white, shiny, gold, very a little gaudy. Don't you know? (laughs) It's just it's just it's a lot. It's very new. And for us, this space felt very lived in. It felt very warm. And I want people to come here three, four times a week and hang out, not to feel like it's a special occasion. Right. Um, They want. I want people to feel comfortable when they come here.
2: Yeah, it's it is a warm atmosphere. Good. It's absolutely a warm atmosphere, real comfortable atmosphere. So, when you were you the same kind of were you in a hotel, Larry?
1: Uh, I started off in restaurant. I started. I, I made bad grades one year when Georgia <laughs> Tech was making a run at the national championship, and back then there was no Bobby e- e- no email. I'm sorry, this was football, but yeah, Bobby. Okay. Was there. Um, and yeah, we had a good time back then. We had Lethal Weapon Three on the basketball court and made a run at the national championship and I was praying the report cards wouldn't come before I left for the Citrus Bowl where we were playing Nebraska. And they did come and all I wanted to do was get to that bowl game and my dad said, Who do you think is gonna pay for grades like these? And I said, I will and he said, Okay, you will and so I started working in restaurants to pay for school and just fell in love with it.
2: Yeah. It has to be a passion. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, when I go to restaurants they certain ones stand out and you go like, I wouldn't go to a Milos like I did in Vegas, mm-hmm. but it was amazing. And I know it's in New York and I haven't been to that one, one but is there one in Miami, one well, in Miami yeah. now? Yeah. And it's like, God, these people are really good at what they do. Yeah. The preparation, the presentation, yes. but more than anything else, because I've been to too many in LA where presentation's presentation is more important than delivering the goods. Right. And, their, their food was exceptional.
1: I think that's kind of a metaphor for L.A., isn't it? And not just <laughs> right. food. The presentation well, I got such a kick
2: the- out of places where they give you this massive plate, and then there would be three yeah. ounces or four ounces yeah. right, of food. Right, right, right. And it was like, I think something's missing <laughs> yes, here. Yes, 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 really, yes. should I wake these people? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, no, I, I do appreciate what you guys do. Yes. I do. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, because we're all on the road a lot, and we don't tend to cook a lot.
1: How has the <laughs> restaurant world around the country and Canada as well changed over the years? It's it, it, and I'll back up and say for me, you can't you can't go to a city now and not find a good restaurant. Right. Um, when in the old days that wasn't necessarily the case. Yeah.
2: Well, but, I think we all are living a, a cleaner lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, where we would all eat a lot of fried food in the past. I think now we're looking at different options. And uh, as I brought up the Mediterranean earlier, we're looking at different places than we would have 20 years ago. So, I mean, it's kind of funny. My kids grew up going to the Palm in West Hollywood, one of the originals. There was New York, Palm One, Palm Two, and then LA. And the guy who was part owner and and ran LA was great to me. So, I always had a table. And that was, was, the seafood was amazing. Obviously, because the lobster started at three pounds, the salmon, the swordfish, the scallops. But it was overconsumption. And now I think we're all a little bit better about the way we look at things, especially when it comes to dining. So, But we're spoiled because we live in a city with so many different options. Really spoiled.
1: And it's funny when friends come in from out of town, they're like, what's your favorite restaurant? Well, you You can't right. say that. What are you, you looking for? Yeah, what are you looking for? Poe boys. All right, now, shrimp poe boys, or yeah. are you looking for roast beef po' boys? Yeah. And it's it's fun to see a city that's that energized and cares that much about eating. That uh, I would hate to be a refrigerator salesman in this <laughs> town, because I'm not sure, other than to keep your wine and beer cold, right. that uh, too many people do a lot of cooking at home.
0: We're very blessed with not just a fisherman and also just a produce. And now you see having all these restaurants is creating more farmers, you know, more bakers. You see a lot more of that now because, you know, 20 years ago people were not dining out this much. Right. It was somebody's birthday or an anniversary, but now people are like, why, why cook? I can go to my favorite restaurant three times a week. Um, Or I can try Ethiopian food today or try Mediterranean or whatever you'd like. It's it's at your fingertips. And I think we didn't have those options before. But now culturally, we're seeing a lot more food that is very different to us.
2: The one thing I'd wish we had more of in this market, two things actually, and I was spoiled by being out west, and I I wait for it when I'm out west, is I like Mexican. I like fresh mexican really fresh and i also like chinese Mm -hmm. and so we're limited in that area whereas when i go to san francisco or i go to los angeles or yeah when it comes to chinese i i wait i save myself and with mexican and i do like a couple of the places i found here but there it is so simple i mean some of the pico de gallo is like a bruschetta Right. It is so perfect what they've done with the Serranos and the jalapenos and the way they chopped it up and, and it's like perfection and it's like, we should be doing this in New Orleans. Right. Right. so that's I miss that more than anything. I was it's just coming. well, I hope it does. I was in LA last week and I had to do a voiceover and I had a couple of hours free, so I took the Uber straight to a Mexican restaurant and it was amazing.
1: We
0: have we have a we have a place on Broad Street a, a truck we went during the pandemic and we were we were just really hungry and I'm like let's just I'm starving I need to eat something
1: that meal in a car
0: we yeah. we brightened our whole we day d- devoured it and the next day I'm like let's go back so if Larry's in that area and he he'll, he'll stop by and he'll drop it to me at the restaurant like it's
1: some some so I got to look cuz it's, it's, it's so
2: so good. cuz I go Broad Street to the fairgrounds.
1: Let's say worst case scenario, you wake up in morning of a game day and have a little tickle in your throat. What happens? Is there a team of of, yeah, of doctors specialists really that that jump down
2: and really fortunate fix you up for the no, game. I'm you knocking on all these wood <laughs> tables because I, you know, I gave up cigarettes. Right after my first son was born. Mm-hmm. And he's now 39. Wow. And so I gave up cigarettes. Although after a great meal sometimes, once a year, you know, it'll and I'll catch a buzz off it. You know, All it's right. like, yeah. man, am I, lightweight. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, a lightweight? Yeah. I got a buzz off a cigarette. Um, but I gave that up. And, you know, people say, what do you do? Well, I work out. I try to. Mm-hmm. And I, great, great wine and garlic. You know, some people... Don't think much of it, and then I got turned on to something else. There, you know, not it's Indian spices and and yeah. goes back in time. I'm trying to think of the name of it. They come in orange jars and they're gummies and they're they health food actually.
1: Sure they are. No, yeah. sure they the gummies are, are Joel. Well,
2: no, and because if they weren't, <laughs> well, yeah, that would we always, always sh- appreciate everything. Uh, <laughs> but uh, is it turmeric or? Tum- turmeric? Or? Yeah, yeah, turmeric. Yeah, that's it, and I. It so I'm kind of regimented, and then I I work out. I go to our place on uh, Clearview. Okay. Our partner is and and uh, that's. But knock on wood, I've really been lucky. I have. I drink a lot of coffee, a lot of tea, but thank God for good red yeah. and plenty of garlic in your in your food. <laughs> I think As garlic is supposed of, to be good.
0: They say it's yeah. Garlic and turmeric is definitely the combination. It works the best.
2: Okay good because my breath stinks. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds great. <laughs> Real, it's good for radio. It's yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's good for TV too. Joel Myers, we can't thank you enough for spending this time with us. It, it, it really is amazing just to hear that voice right across the table from us instead of coming out of the television. Well, thank
2: you both for having me first of all and thanks for all the great meals I've had here at, at Compare La Pan. Many more to come. And and at Bywater, yes, American we hope Beast. To see Trouble. you again soon. And now I gotta find the food truck on Broad. That's true. Yeah, Mexican. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that.
0: And that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Make way for the Reaper, y'all. Make way for the Reaper. Yeah, yeah. Make way for the Reaper. Make way for the Reaper. Make way for
1: the Reaper. Make way for the Reaper. Make
0: way Make way for the Reaper. Make way for the Reaper. Make way for the Reaper. Make way for Make way for the Reaper. Back up. Everybody back up. Give us a run. Give us a run.